Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. We like that. All in one place for totally free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your cellular telephone or your computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else, those other places that podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&As and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free. Zero catch. We've been using it ever since we started How Long Gone. And ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like having the option of turning off the Q&As and the polls on the user dashboard (laughs) has really helped uh, boost my creativity and take it to another level. I highly recommend giving it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Yes, yes, it is me, Jason. Uh, hello, TJ. TJ, I'm just eating a small bowl of peanuts as a treat. Damn. Mm. What's, what's, what's the occasion? I've been introducing some small meals into my into my day. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like a nut, etc. Mm. That's right. I'll, I'll be eating some nuts later on as well. You know, what? What's the schedule like on this? On what? On on nut eating? <laughs> yeah. On, on getting these nuts off? When you get these nuts off, what time are the nuts off? Usually, I mean, like before, I would I would just not eat anything at all until dinner. I'd try to eat dinner at like six. But lately, it's been a little tough. So around around now, like lunchtime, I'll have a little nibble of something just to push me through that's smart i think i was i was worried about you that sounded a little extreme it was a little extreme but i mean nah. if you saw what i was eating for dinner then it would make more sense yeah we know you're a fatty uh-huh. I'm, eating, <sighs> I'm eating like a fatty that's true you eating good i mean have you guys slowed down on the extreme or is it just this is just life for you I mean, this is I, we slow down a little bit by by eating lunch on the weekend sometimes. Wow, mm-hmm. big ch- big changes. <laughs> no brekkie though, bro. No brekkie. I don't. I mean, breakfast is is a meal that I know some say is the most important, but I find it to be you know not really part of the daily conversation for me either. Yeah, it's a bunch of horse shit propaganda, bro. It's, I think it's Big Australia is, is who <laughs> is responsible for this. Big this, Australia this is still a part of those fucking lies. But all you know, like Ex- like for din, like I I ate yesterday like a sandwich where the ingredients were French fries and cheese inside bread. You know, I'm not. Damn, you ate you ate French fries in a fucking sandwich. Chip butty, as they say across the pond. So explain, walk me through this. I, I'm not familiar. I mean, I'm familiar with like fries in a burrito. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, there is a food, I mean, a sandwich in London, like a classic, you know, like a peasanty pub drunk food thing called a chip buddy, butty, which is just bread, like a sandwich with bread and, and french fries in it, you know, chips. 
and yeah, you know that maybe, sounds, maybe pretty, a bit that sounds pretty sick. So you're saying what else is in the sandwich though? It's not just bread with some fries and ketchup. It, it, at its at its core, it is. It, it it pretty much is that. If you just Google chip butty, not batty, um, <laughs> you will see two pieces of of very uh, plain looking bread with like thirteen French fries in it. Did you it. make pro- did you make proper chips, mate? Like some no. thick boys? No, the chips were store bought. Oh, um, I got man. it from one of the shops. I thought I actually thought that you were at the level now where store bought just ain't even for you. Like you just don't even entertain that. I thought my man was doing everything raw. I am doing everything raw, but there are some exceptions and some things that I have learned from experience that are a, a fool's errand to do at home. One of them I would consider to be deep frying. It's just not worth it. It makes such a mess. So what do you do? Do you just bake them? Um, yeah, or just like, you know, go to the In-N-Out drive-thru or something and, and get oh, my fries there. Oh, oh, oh okay, But like, okay. yeah, things like that, making sushi at home is just stupid. You just shouldn't do it. Um, yeah, that seems laborious. Uh, you know, I'm excited to, to, to reconnect with my mom because I think it's funny because I, I don't think my, like, if I was like, hey, mom, let's make some salad dressing, she, was, she would be like, we have Hidden Valley Ranch in the fridge. Why would we ever... <laughs> Why do we ever make anything? You know what I mean. I mean, uh, well, that's that's that is a bummer, and I think that comes with with age. You just kind of you know your you know Mrs. Mrs. Black has made so many, you know whatever your dad's favorite sandwiches over the years that she just doesn't want to anymore. My my family, uh, there are a lot of things. Foodies, I would say, is not one of them. Um, so mm. my, you know, I famously, my mom doesn't really eat vegetables. Mm. Um, so she's from the South. Exactly. Yeah. She'll have like bacon and pancakes at lunch and she looks, she looks pretty fucking good. I gotta say, it's kind of crazy. Bacon and pancakes for lunch. I mean, or whatever, right. you know what I mean? She, she's, like, ha- she's having a nice BLT with, uh, with a, a King's schmear of mayonnaise. Yeah, but probably doesn't like tomato or something. You know what I mean? Like some weird. She just doesn't right, eat anything. Right, right. It's like crazy. the thought she like I- of eating like avocado is like a crazy feeling for your mom. Probably they have. My dad has embraced hummus later in life, which is an interesting twist. Um, because when I used to bring home hummus from the health food store in high school, they were like, "The shit smells disgusting." Like, put the lid on it. Mm. You know, blah blah blah. Now, big hummus has been introduced to the local Publix, you know, Kroger over the years. Yeah, but, you know, that, that Publix hummus hitting different than your little health food store hummus. Like, he's got Cool Ranch flavor, you know. No, he, he, eats, he actually eats plain, which is impressive. Damn. Damn. I know. You he's know cr- the world is healing every day. The world, the world is healing. Gary Black will have a plain hummus every, after his run with some carrots. Um, speaking of, of food, I went to a Japanese market over the weekend and I got, um, my thermometer on the forehead. Did I tell you this? No, sick. Yeah. The first time I ever, you know, got, got the laser on the forehead when entering a place of business at, at, how did at, it, how at did Maru, Marukai market. Well, it, it was, there was a scare because the, the person doing it he um he he blasted my girlfriend's forehead first and then he was like all right you're good bing bong did me and then he's like oh you're you're registering over a hundred degrees 
So and you're like, baby, baby, TJ just runs hot. I'm from Southern Cali. And I was like, and I showed him my Apple watch. I was like, look at the numbers I'm putting up. Clearly this must be a mistake. Damn, your dork, your dork ass pulled out an Apple watch. And this man was trying to say, <laughs> no. well, actually, actually, sir, if you look here at my Apple watch data, it, it says I'm 98.2 he, degrees. Uh, that, no, I wanted him to see the, the calories burned to show him that the only reason why my temp was triple digits was because because of the kettlebells and but he was like oh it's just sometimes it happens so he he had me go stand in front of a small fan for 60 seconds to cool off and then once i did that he rescanned me and i was good to go but Damn, I, pretty I, I, was, cool. I was i mean it was it was a it was more scary that i was not going to be able to do my grocery shopping than being scared that i had an actual fever and was possibly at risk of getting the coronavirus well i think part of this coronavirus issue too is that like now if, if you I, anytime i cough i'm like oh shit that's it i got it you know oh man i'm feeling i'm feeling a little like you know that's what i think a lot of people are like that i think from now on that's going to kind of be the vibe like if you have a flu or a cough you're going to think you're dying because it's where your mind Im- immediately goes yeah to me i i get one i get that moment when i when i do a sneeze in public and I'm like, oh fuck! Is everyone looking at me? Is and and people are going to avoid me like the, like a pariah. Well, there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of street fights um, because <laughs> I'm serious because people are so on edge and everybody's going to have their like expressions covered, you know, by masks. And I think it's just going to devolve quickly into like fights and shit. Well, then we're going to have to get some type of clear mask so people can see how pissed you are. When you're about to fight somebody or, or the, I mean, it's sort of like fighting a homeless guy. Like, are you this pissed off? Are you, you know, do you want to fight this person so badly that you're willing to, you know, exchange bodily fluids with a stranger that could, could be just filthy. And the same thing would apply to somebody who's positive with the coronavirus. Are you willing to maybe get coronavirus to fuck somebody up just to give hands well i mean jason i'm not talking about smart people you know what i mean i'm talking about like people who would be getting in fights regularly anyway i know but you know everyone has those situations of like fellas this this man grabs your girlfriend's ass what what are you gonna do you know and if and if somebody grabs a girlfriend's ass who you think you could maybe beat up then you have to you have to beat him up and then you got to touch them that's and that person I, is going to spit no. on you and sneeze on no. you. No, see, that's why I keep that thing on me so I can just blast from, you know, a little bit further away. <laughs> no corona, no corona. There ain't no corona in a drive-by, you know what I mean? Right. So you so you pull up in the in the big body, the window rolls down and then you you whisper to the driver um, you know, like a message that we all we all know what it means, you know, like Yeah, of course. Make yeah. sure, you know. Do do the thing, <laughs> and then he sprays or I spray. He sprays. You're not even there. You're in a you're in another time zone. You're you're changing the weather in your private jet while. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While you're, yeah. Doing, I, he, I, I don't want. I don't want. I don't want a silencer either. I want this shit to. I want people to hear it ring out. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Keep you know shooting, I mean? baby. <laughs> Keep shooting. Um. <laughs> Well, on that, today, on that note, we have we have a gang, a notorious gang member on this show today. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
Today on the show, we have uh, singer and songwriter uh, Hamilton Lathhauser, um, who just put out a great solo record um, a couple months ago. Like, it really impacted Core. Like, I think it was like, it came out like right when Core started. It's called The Loves of Your Life. Um, he had another solo record uh, in 2014, and in between, he did a record with Rostam, um, a, a multi-instrumentalist Rostam. and producer. Rostam, a multi-instrumentalist and producer, who you probably know from Vampire Weekend, who also put out a great solo album. Um, but before yeah. that, Hamil- Hamilton was in the band The Walkman, which mm-hmm. if you're cool, you probably remember. Um, yeah, I definitely remember me and Aoki playing some Walkman on vinyl. Damn, yeah, Walkman on Aoki playing Walkman on vinyl is very cool. You already know what it is, um, baby. You already know what it is. So, so you know, he's lived through the the kind of uh, meet me in the bathroom era uh, of the music business, which, as you as you know, I'm fascinated with. So, just you know, mm-hmm. being on the fringes of that, but they've also the Walkman. I think had a lot of sinks and a lot of big placements, uh, particularly with that one song. Oh, that's right. Uh, which is interesting, uh, and they were also. I read today actually they were in the they were in the finale. They were the final scene, the soundtrack to the final scene of How I Met Your Mother, the final scene ever of the show. Of How I Met Your Mother. Yes. See, I mean, it is a powerful tune. It is. No, I think it's a different song. That's the crazy. Oh, it's a part. different. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm saying like that kind of stuff is truly. Like things that people I don't think really think about about how bands of this level really make a, a serious income is like shit like that is just like you know some guy some producer or some writer on the staff is like a big fan and just like figures a way to work it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by golly, I'm you know I'm the music supervisor on How I Met Your Mother and I freaking love the Walkman and you know if I can if I can get their song on this shit and make them a lot of money then they're going to become friends with me. Exactly, exactly. The same way people want to be on this podcast, you know what I mean? Because they want to be friends with us. You're goddamn right. Uh, but I, I don't know where he is quarantined, but but he does have two children. So I'm also, we're, we're, we're getting another dad guest, which I'm mm-hmm. trying to homeschool and also, you know, do NPR live streams is probably a tough thing to juggle. Oh, brother, it's tough. He's on the front lines. He's truly on the front lines. <laughs> I hope he has a mask on. Um, all right, let me give him a call. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes, Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Mamma mia. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners, our listeners, 18 free meals, 
plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long that's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert how long gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. as you know you know hair thinning is quite complicated like your skin hair is a reflection of your health Uh oh and internal factors can impact the way your hair looks feels and most importantly grows Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress hormone fluctuations and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker stronger hair go ahead give it a tug Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker stronger faster growing hair with considerably less shedding thank god take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker healthier hair for a limited time Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code HOWLONG, all one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got Raf on the nut. <laughs> dot com promo code how long. That's neutral.com promo code how long. How long gone is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason. BetterHelp. You know, the summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent. So for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions, we we're spent off obviously off clock. Going through, you know, hotels, ferries, car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me. And, uh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So, uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists. You get one that you really like. You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So, it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are so many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting (laughs) therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash how long today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash how long. Nice. Oh, baby, we're in business. Oh, man. <laughs> Solving where, problems. Where are you? It looked like you were fucking hunkered down, like Kaczynski <laughs> style. Like, where are yeah, you? Totally, right? Mailing people stuff. I'm, uh, I'm outside of Leesburg, Virginia. Actually, the internet has been sort of decent, but today I've, it's been just totally shot. I don't know what's going on. Well, it's okay. We, we made it work. This is our first time. Jason, is this the first time we've ever used the actual phone? I think so. And it's definitely the first Leesburg, Virginia episode we've recorded. <laughs> yeah, that's uh-huh. for sure. Where, where <laughs> is... Sure. I actually have some family near Blacksburg, Virginia. Is that close? I don't know Blacksburg. I know, I've seen it on the map. I don't think it's that close. Virginia's actually a pretty big spot. It is It is a little big. Um so yeah. you're 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 there. Your 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 family has a home there, I assume. Yeah, my parents have a like a 
house here and uh, my family's been living here for whatever since New York schools shut down. So you guys, did, you, did you guys just bail like when it was time it was time? We went wait, should I be recording this on my own thing? Yeah, I'm gonna record it. Hold up. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, no, I'll just put it on because this is what I've been doing with all my interviews because I just I have a mic here and it helps a lot too. Don't lump us in with all your other interviews. <laughs> hey, this, is, this is a little something. <laughs> yeah, you're right. right. But, uh, yeah, we bailed when the, when the schools closed. It was just getting things are getting a little crazy up in New York. Where do you live? In New York, I live in Bedford Stuyvesant, Brooklyn. Okay, you you're really out there, real family life. Okay, I live in the East yeah. Village, so I'm I'm very far from. I, I actually can't. I want I want my ashes to be scattered in the East Village. I feel like that's where my heart is. Where it was to be on. I'm on Avenue A and Fourth. Uh, I was on. Uh, Seventh and A for a while, and sixth between first and A for a very long time. Oh yeah, you were in the hood. That's like really yeah, right down the street. I mean, I'm, I've yeah. I've been at my girlfriend's place in Montreal for most of the time, but I'm going back soon, and then gonna gonna drive south. Actually, um, my parents uh-huh. are in Atlanta, in Atlanta, but I'm I'm ready to reconnect with America. Uh huh. <laughs> what's the Montreal scene like? What's what's social distancing like in Montreal? I mean, man, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty loose, I think. Yeah, that's I what mean, I would imagine. It's not like it's the worst in Canada, apparently, but because it's like, they just don't care. I don't know. People aren't really, there's not a lot of masks, you know, but otherwise, I mean, I don't know. It's not that, it doesn't seem that extreme, but I also haven't been in New York where it's really extreme. So Jason's in LA and I think it's pretty extreme there. Right. It was. I drove through New York. I drove through New York like, um, three weeks ago, because I had to go get stuff from my house, and it was crazy. It was like, uh, like the BQE was empty, and like Canal Street, I just like flew across Canal Street in the middle of the day. It was crazy. That's the thing. I want to experience it before. Like, yeah, I, it I, was I, a little I, bit like you'll never see that again. That's what I mean. I feel like I've missed out. I mean, not missed out. That's the wrong term, but like I feel like it's a pretty wild scene. But my friends say it's a pain in the ass to live there now because. You do have to wear the mask every time you go outside, and you uh, and the grocery stores have huge lines. And if you order something on delivery, it has like a four and a half hour wait. So that's mm. really, truly, that's fun. that sucks. That's like the worst. Like I can't, yeah. I can't imagine New York like that. Well, um, did you like? Did your record come out like right when this shit happened? Yeah, April tenth. It's kind of the oh shit! It really right did. around the peak. It might have been really? peak day. So this was yeah, like a uh, marketing tactic that you had, planning this virus and I don't stuff? know. Talk to my manager, man. He came up with that plan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, did the But did everything get canned immediately, or did you guys kind of roll with it for a little while and then make decisions like slowly? I mean, people asked if I wanted to postpone the record, but I I didn't see why. I, w- I mean, I didn't know we knew when it was going to end, and most people listen to it online anyhow, and I'd already like – you know, the only thing that really sucks is I can't go play the concerts. But no, I wasn't going to like, I've been, I've been working on this thing for like four years. I wasn't about to like let, like stop it. I don't know. You know yeah, record, records man, already get delayed uh, enough as it is without a worldwide yeah. pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I had to fight to get out in April, man. I finished it in like September and, uh, and you know, I wanted to release it in like January, but everybody else was like pumping the brakes and like saying they had a great feeling about April 10th, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, April 10th is big. It feels like I got a about this good. one. It's going to be I mean, big. I, I think that, that, that the pushing it back is – I don't really get that either. Like you, We've talked about this a lot on the podcast, actually. But what are you waiting inter- for? 
Yeah, you have a captive audience. What's the difference? Like, besides right. touring, and obviously, I think a lot of the bigger artists like are are it's ticket bundles and shit to get charting. You know, is the right. major thing. But otherwise, I don't see why you wouldn't just put it out. Right. Yeah, it's April tenth was perfect for me. Uh, I listened to it on my way to Coachella this year. It was the perfect soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, but have you been able to do? I mean, so you've had to do all this promo and all this bullshit like during the pandemic, basically. I mean, that's not so bad because you know it gets me away from having to do teach first grade. You know, I can like pass that off to my wife for a few minutes. Yeah, you were like you know doing interviews over the phone. That's kind of fun. I mean, it's nice to reach out and talk to people. You know, it's nice to see people over Facetime. I wish we could be Facetiming. Look that you guys had a nice little bedroom set up there. We yeah we yeah we really do. Oh, it's very nice. Jason's been wearing a posture corrector around the house, so when I oh really. Yeah, so he looks a little funny, like he's got a child's backpack on every time I see him. But I think it's is work, that is it for uh, medical reasons or for like uh, it, no know, aesthetics? It's more uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not for, it's not for a medical reason. It's just something that always fascinated me. Something to do, but I never, but I would, I never really like pulled the trigger because I would never wear it in public. But now, so is it like a big, a, a big like plastic thing on attached to your back or something? No, no, no. It, it it literally looks like the straps of a Jansport backpack, and that's it. It's it's like a it's a small small black device made out of nylon. Huh. You buy it on Amazon for like nineteen bucks. I had like uh, neck surgery year one year ago on April 9th, a year before my record came out, mm-hmm. and uh and the dude. Uh, they jack you up because they have to you, you're like discs have deteriorated or something like that and i walked out and i was like the dude told i was literally something like a quarter of an inch taller than i was wow. when i went in and then the dude told me you know <laughs> the other thing is that you're gonna have better posture now because you were compensating uh mm. with for, for the pain in your neck for the last like 13 years and i was like all right, you know, that sounds good. And I was like so just doped up and they just let me walk out of the hospital. I was walking down Madison Avenue, a quarter of an inch taller and <laughs> by standing up ramrod straight and high on oxycodone or whatever, I felt like a god. That's on god level shit. April that's, morning. That was yeah. my favorite memory of... Damn, that's, you know, that's a nice adult. little scene. Oh my <laughs> yeah, god, it felt good for a while. <laughs> my daughter was born, and then my second daughter was born, and then there was a time I was high on oxy's and a little taller. It was fire. <laughs> I don't it was think that, wonderful. Did your neck? Did you, were you like an athlete, or is it from rocking? I mean, probably a little of both. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm. I, how long did you put the surgery off for? A long time. I had to pain for. I was getting. I was getting treatments when we were making you and me the Walkman record. That was like 2007 or something. Or, mm, yeah, around shit, that is that's a long fucking time. It's probably from bad posture. It's probably from like you know flying on airplanes and curling up like a like a yeah definitely yeah. Because how bad how posture. tall are you, Hamilton? Six five and a half. Oh oh yes, another another tall guys only podcast. Welcome Don't to the sleep club. on a half. Yeah. I'm I'm six four. Jason's six nine. So yeah. you're coming in and you're yeah, coming in number yeah. two. Also, rare to rare to, to hear the half inch when you're up in this rarefied <laughs> air. You want to unpack that? Yes. Yeah. Right. 
<laughs> is that strict? Is that strictly because of the surgery? You feel like boasting, or is this? Have you always? Yeah, like I real, I got it. Yeah, now I. Oh, uh, he was he was six five before the surgery a year ago. Now no, no, I'm six five and a quarter. Now I'm six five and a half. <laughs> oh, okay. I, we were giving you two. I didn't mention the quarter, but the half. I mean, that's like you know, if you're rounding up, I'm six. So do you some different shit? Do you have any more oxycotton left? Is my next question. <laughs> I took every. Single. I think I went back to Walgreens to double check that there weren't any more refills. That's what happened. I mean, that that surgery sounds pretty serious, to be honest. I'd like yeah, next year freaked me out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It freaked, I mean, why do you think I put it off for 13 years? You know, the first time I went in, because it really hurt. The first time I went in, the doctor, we I had this MRI and all this stuff, and the guy, I was sort of getting my nerve up to do the surgery, and he. He looked her right in the eye and he said, okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to, and he held out his hand towards my neck and he said, we're going to go in through the front. And I was oh, like, I, like I, held, I held my hand to my neck and I was like, you know what, man? And I left for about 10 years. <sighs> yeah, that's, if some, yeah, that's pretty intimidating. I don't like that. Call me like, when you stop going or, in through the front. Going in through the front. I was like, that's an, I've heard enough. Um, there's no way I'm doing this. That's fucked Damn. up. How, I mean, was the recovery long? Uh, yeah, I had to, well, I didn't fully realize, or maybe to actually wipe my memory, but I, uh, yeah, I had to wear this neck brace for like six weeks or something. I definitely cheated, but were you, you have doing, to wear this were you making, were you making class. music or were you just chilling? Yeah, I was like, mixing, I was like, I think it might be when I turned the corner with my regular, I actually started liking, like everything suddenly sounded great, you know? Yeah, yeah. drugs do that. Yeah, I'm I taking mean, yeah, like, when you're that doped up, you just think you're, yeah. That's, I, I guess that's how people make rock and roll records. So you're, I just to get the visual, you're in a recording studio with like 10 guys and you have a neck brace on? <laughs> no, I made this record alone. So I was in a recording studio with just blasting, just absolutely blasting my speakers to hell. Just high as hell. <laughs> and, uh, I got to say, you're, you're, really you're finally getting some good work done. You're painting a picture that sounds pretty nice right about now. Yeah, I got to say. I mean, last April with my neck braces was going a lot better than this April did. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point, actually. Yeah, it sounds. Where did you do, did you do it in L.A. or did you do it in New York? No, I did it in New York. I built myself a studio in my house. Oh shit, that's that's an upgrade. I feel like, dude, but there was a producer. It wasn't just you alone, or did you do it all yourself? No, I'm the producer, man. I did it alone. Is this the first time you ever done that? Yeah, I was, and it was a lot of work. <laughs> do you, yeah, I was about to say. Do you, so, would you do that again? Hire a producer next time. Yeah, I was going to say, would you do it again? Or are you good? Uh, I think I'm going to do it again. I really enjoyed. Uh, I like uh, after all these years, I like being able to do it. Like, well, I have kids and stuff, so my schedule gets weird. But I like to be able to record when uh, I'm like sort of in the mood, rather than uh, you know yeah. being in the studio and paying for uh, paying hourly and being under the gun to like come up with a good idea mm -hmm. I, I mean i i always find recording studios to be a little bit um they're, they're like conducive to time wasting for sure depending on how nice they are yeah definitely you know i spent all the hours over the years where one of one guy in my band would be like recording his part for like you know nine hours or like three <laughs> days and like the rest <laughs> of us would go out to the local like rock and robin's diner and just like sit and google shit on our phones the fact that people, I, I think social media has changed this, but back in the day, I mean, people thought a recording experience was so glamorous and I would always explain like, no, it's literally a bunch of dudes sitting around while one dude does something. Is totally is true. That is exactly it's, what it is. 
it's really not glamorous. It's it's truly like a job at that point. I think it's a lot of waiting around. Yeah. Did you have all this? You leave is when somebody calls you and they need you back there immediately. Well, of course, yeah. You can't go to the diner forever, man. You got to work. <laughs> they need you. Did you buy all this shit? Did you have a lot of it sitting around? Was it like a yeah over the years? Project? I've like, yeah, I, I've like accumulated a bunch of stuff over the years. So I have. I mean, it takes some doing to get it all together, but I have a pretty good setup going now. That sounds great. Did you have to leave to do? I mean, you did drums somewhere else, all that shit, but most of it was out. No, I actually did the drums at home. I went. I finally. I thought maybe I needed to just like cover all my bases and i so i did uh like bring my fly my drummer up from texas and uh i i hired out like a nice studio in in new york and we went in for a couple days and redid all the parts and and just wanted to make sure that i was like you know i don't know not missing something big and uh and then a couple i i put them on my songs and a couple weeks later i I don't i don't like any of this shit and I, uh, I just deleted all of it, and I just kept all of my stuff. I mean, I guess that's the only way to learn is to do both and compare them side by side. Yeah, had I not done that, I would have always wondered if I was making some huge mistake. But, I mean, I don't know. It's just like that. You just get used to being in your own space and, like, and like not having to, like, worry, uh, you know, about being in somebody else's room and, like, Getting it done at a time when, I don't know. I mean, I'm you know, maybe I'm just I'm like cheap, you know? I think I'm just cheap. I think I just don't want to pay for it. I mean, well, the, in theory, the, I, well, I guess I'm surprised you waited this long to build the studio. I feel like that's like one of the first things people do when they get a little coin. Or did you move? Right. Well, we, I had my band, my old band, we had a studio at the beginning of our band. And that was pretty great. But um, what era we, in New York in like the mid aughts? It started in 2000. We opened it in 2000, and it Where closed was it? finally. It was in Harlem. Oh, shit. So you were and, out there. Yeah, it was badass. It was awesome. It was an old Nash Rambler car factory, and it was built on two levels where the ramp went from one floor to another, so it had like this big kind of weird room. And uh, we made our first two records there and a little bit of the third one, and uh, then we like started touring so much, and then... The thing is, it's expensive as hell. We had an analog studio, and like nobody does that in New York anymore because like very few people record analog, and and it just takes us so much room. You might as well, you know, we started going yeah. to like Memphis and stuff to do it, and uh, and so we uh, we we finally closed up shop when the neighborhood started getting really expensive. I mean, at that point, it becomes like a storage space for gear if you're gone. All right? The time. Yeah, we were always on tour. It was it was it was just not very practical. Are you missing touring right now, or you feel like you you were happy to have the break? No, you know I kind of am. I was like kind of psyched to have the break and be home and make my record and take the girls to school and have this like great schedule. And I got my fill of that. And I was really kind of <laughs> thinking this spring was when things were really gonna, you know, get back to a lot of travel. Well, I, mean, I, I think that's the creature, and... creature comfort shit because you've been doing this for a long fucking time. I mean, you've been doing this for twenty years, so it's like yeah. The, I mean, the, the novelty of step. having this, the novelty of having the schedule and being in one place was amazing for the time I made this record. It was, it was incredible to be in New York. And I don't think I've been in New York in the fall in like 10 years or more. That is prime uh, time. That is prime time. Yeah. I've always been gone. And, uh, and it was like something I really appreciated. And then I got my fill and I started getting a little bit psyched to go out and do all this stuff. Did you guys reschedule this shit or is it just just kind of sitting? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's getting all rescheduled right now. We just announced the Euro dates this morning, but the state it's all it's going to be a year. I mean, we like first we pushed it to like late summer, and then they were going to push it to November, and then it was like let's, there's no point in pushing it. Let's just we're going to have to just it's just going to be a year. I feel like that's the smarter way to do it because you don't have to go back and do that shit twice or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we talk about clothes a lot on this podcast. We've had a lot of, we had some designers on and I work in the fashion industry in some. Oh, really? Yes. Um, and I, you're, you know, you're known, um, in some circles for your look, uh, just being a little more formal when on stage. Um, Uh and I'm, I'm very into it. It kind of, it, it it harkens back to a different time. Um, you'd be dressing just how you, you he really be dressing, but is that how? Is this something that you've just always liked? Did you dress like that when you were a kid, and you just continued it, or is the collared shirt something that like feels like stage clothing to you? Well, when I was from the time I was nine years old until I was eighteen, I went to a prep school with a dress code, and you had to wear a coat and tie. And uh, I guess I just got used to it, and. I never stopped. I mean, I'm, I think it's nice. I think it's also, I mean, what are you, oh, what do you get? I just sort of feel more comfortable in a, in a college shirt and a blazer. I just, I don't know. I guess it's just, I was trained. What are we rocking? Is this custom? What designers do you like? Uh, at this very second, I'm sitting in a feed shed in, uh, <laughs> Leesburg. There's a lot of spiders and stuff. And I think there was a snake in here actually last night. And uh, I'm wearing a Brooks Brothers. Uh, I'm wearing a Brooks Brothers white shirt right now. Well, yeah, but I mean in general. Like, are you <laughs> all stuff, Are you having stuff made, or are you are you buying it off um, the rack? This is really funny that you're asking me this question right now, because okay, I was like uh, in Seattle last fall. God, I can't believe how long ago that was. Doing a press thing for my record, and uh, we're meeting all these like big companies there, and and uh, and. Uh, like I had some time to kill because we like had some meeting with I forget with somebody, and uh, and I was like wearing my blazer and I spilled like motor oil on it or some like sarc- like just some terrible thing, and uh, and it, I was complaining on the phone to my wife that I was like you know I always hate this blazer right now because it's always too small and I'm too tall and now I you know I'm a quarter inch taller and nothing fits <laughs> me anymore, and she was like my life has changed you know what. <laughs> She was like, this is funny that you say that because I was listening to this podcast last night and there was this targeted ad for this like uh, made to order uh, like whatever company that'll take your measurements and then you order it online or something. And I was like, really? And I was, she was like, yeah, it's called Indochino. And I was like, <laughs> looked up and in front of me was this enormous store called Indochino. And I was like, wow, okay, I'll try it. And I walked right in the door and some friendly dude measured me. And, uh, and then, uh, and then I, I like the dude, whatever, I I picked out a blazer and he sent it to me and I was like, Oh, that's great. And, uh, and the thing fits. And I was like, great. Wow. Love Indochino. That's so great. Then, then I wore that blazer in, uh, the promo videos that I made, uh, for my record where I did one with Ethan Hawke and I did one with Maggie Rogers and I did one with Sienna Miller and I was going to do this really banging one at the end that got canceled because of COVID. Anyhow. Indochino saw that I was wearing their blazer and now Indochino is going to give me some other stuff and wants, and they just scheduled a virtual fitting and interview with me that starts in 30 minutes from right now. Wow. 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 
That's my entire story about Nina Gino. You're I'm having really a very podcast that. day today. I've never wow. told anybody about that. Yeah. Wow. Really, a, a, really how long go, a how long gone exclusive? I was going to ask you about those promo clips because I'm a, a big Sienna Miller head. And uh-huh. I it was it was great. And there were all the car. That one was at the Carlisle, correct? Yep. So what's the what's the deal? Did you just call in some favors and like, well, let's get the ship popping? Yeah, just friends who were, you know, all very nice about it. And yeah. And have you ever, had you ever had a glass broken over your head before Hollywood style? No, no. The first thing I had broken over my head was a table, actually. That I didn't shit know is, what that was going to be like. Do you <laughs> feel anything at all or nothing? No, it's like being hit by a piece of paper. Fuck, that's so interesting, actually. I've never yeah, thought like, about I was that. worried he was going to break it in his hand before he smashed it, but he did a great job. He's a real pro. I love, I love, I love. He's a real pro. I um, <laughs> no, those videos were those videos were really good. I, I thanks. I wish I made the last one. The last one, I'm telling you, it was gonna be, it was gonna just be the absolute be all it, to end is all. Is there, a, is there a plan to make it once this is all? Yeah, over? you know what I'm thinking about doing is like releasing it 18 months later. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's just well, I mean, you know, look, sometimes these albums have a long tail. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. It, it would be, be a real big build up. Save that for the when ninth I was, uh, single. Yeah, when you're yeah, when it's the when it's the ninth yeah, right. again, the the Alvarez more set model, you know, hit the ninth single. Right, um, totally. What uh you know, we were I, I grew up, um, Jason and I were probably all pretty similar in age, you know, and I remember the Walkman and, and the big you guys had a pretty big moment. Um and I, I, I think that we are really interested in this show about licensing and syncs and how that plays <laughs> into a band's career. Um and I just feel like you guys had some big ones. We did. We did. We had uh, we had play, paid the bills for a little while. Yeah. Is that something you were ever weary of, or was it always like, "Fuck it, let's do this" because this pays and it's pretty low impact? I mean, we at the very beginning. I remember the first time we ever got a phone call about one of those really big things, um, and it was like I just remember. I think it was when we got like that Saturn Ion commercial. And it was like one of those big national ones that, that was, you know, on during the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, they give you a lot of money and you, <laughs> you, you, know, yes, you really, do. I mean, you, you know, we're, you don't, for us, it's like, you know, unbelievable amount. Um, and, uh, I remember being like really wary because it was like one of those things, like, you know, everything's just sort of selling out and stuff. And then, and I remember like, we, we, we finally agreed, like, you know, we're, we're not making any money on these tours and this is crazy. We got this. And, uh, and we did it. And then the New York Post called the, that afternoon and asked for a quote on how to be able to sell out. And I was like, man, <laughs> And I was like, you know, it feels great. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, uh, so we sort of took some shit for it. And then, uh, you know, it felt like five minutes later, every single band was just clawing for that opportunity because Napster just, took everybody's money away and it became like almost like a like a cool thing to do after and i watched like so many of my friends start doing it all the time nobody caught any flack and then by the time you get to like i don't know a million years later when we i just had a like iphone commercial and then like you know it's like people like think it's like great you know people like it's like Oh, it's a full 180. I agree. It's like a, it's like yeah. A people of, like admire the ad artistry of the ad. You know <laughs> what? Yeah, what? Weird what world? Song, what song was in an Apple ad? Uh, my song in a blackout. 
Oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I mean, the Apple ads are specifically like the ones that people really they really mattered in those early days too. That was like a, when the iPod first came out. That was like a big deal. Right. Yeah. I think they still. Well, yeah. Has have has any of your syncs been in like a a movie situation that you you thought was amazing or you you thought it really did help the artistic vision or was it all just a check? Um. Yeah, I mean, I hate to sound so cynical about saying that, but to be perfectly honest, when you're like a touring musician, that's absolutely, undoubtedly the first thing you think about is money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of cool. I've had like tons and tons of movies, and uh, I, I'm trying. I can't think. Do of you know what your favorite? Right your but, favorite you know, like, one I was? Like we said no to. I have said no to plenty of stuff too that I thought was like. You know, like not that I've ever been asked, but like if somebody like the NRA was going to ask me something, you know, like, <laughs> I'm shocked you know. at that. I thought you would love it. But, from the NRA. I'm right. away. But, but, you know, there, there are like times when it just sounds really wrong. and It's like some sort of, it, it seems like somebody's going to do something really weird with your song. Um, and then you don't do it. Mm-hmm. But During yeah, that, I don't know. I, was, I watched that show. I really think I Bill Hader and I was watching his show the other day and the credits flipped and it was when the truth is my song and, that was a pleasant surprise. Oh, and I was watching, we watched uh, Breaking Bad a couple of years ago, and there's some like pivotal scene. And all of a sudden, I was like, wait, I know that. I know that piano. And then it was. So, you, so you will watch, so you will do a sync for a big show like that and not even care about approving approving it before it goes or anything like that? Or even no, to I mean, I'm sure you there was remember. a time. I mean, well, back with the, with the full band, you got five people. And yeah. so the whole discussion becomes like this email back and forth. And it's like, so I mean, there were a lot, so I don't remember mm-hmm. like, I, and you know, when that happened, I didn't know what breaking bad was. So I'm sure there was a day where somebody mm-hmm. said, this is a great show on HBO. <laughs> they want to do. There was a yeah. 40, 40 email chain that said we should do this at some point. Yeah. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> it is I'm a good sure problem to have. Some stick in the mud though. You know, there's always some email, one email that holds all the other emails up. It's just a group dynamic, you know? There's a lot of people talking about also right now how, like, the era of, like, video games really pushed songs. Like, the Madden and, like, those video games in the early days, which I also remember those soundtracks being, like, really important, which is insane to think about now. Insane to think about now. Video games are, like, a huge industry, right? It's embarrassing. It it says a lot about There's, like, people our age play them, too, right? It's not just, like, 12-year-old boys anymore. (laughs) Well, you can make millions of dollars, so... Anytime you can make millions of dollars, that will appeal to to almost anyone. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's when the guy when the guy died from being sedentary for too long. That's my favorite video game story. Oh no, <laughs> he just I died from that. what he forgot he, to eat or something. No, he just his body literally stopped working. He forgot to move for too long. Yeah, oh, he just man. been sitting in a chair. He like stuck to the floor or something. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, it just it just didn't work. He just didn't get up. You know what I mean? That's tough. Truly incredible. That's I mean, a I tough, think tough way to go. That era too. I mean, when you were in New York in the in the mid aughts and like the the I, I like to call it the um, meet me in the bathroom era now um, is kind of like did that with living through that. Is it funny to look at it now like that being popular music at the time because I feel like music with guitars is is not on the radio anymore or or not you know prone to blow like it was at one time. Right. Yeah, I mean, I remember like um, it's funny that that was sort of mainstream music. I, I mean, I wouldn't think it always just felt like sort of me and my friends were making music at the time. Um, I remember being at like festivals 
when we were younger and you go and play and, and you maybe like know a lot of the other bands or something and, and there'd be a lot of bands. And then in the latter, later days of the Walkman, um, we would show up and we would have like flown in or something and there would be the guys like, here's your backline, here's your drum set, here's your guitar, your amp or whatever. And, and we were the only band on the, that was using any of that stuff on the stage. And they would have like some kid with a laptop in front of us, like dancing and like playing his laptop. And then we would set up all our crap and play. And then they'd strike all our drums and all our hands and everything. And then some dude would get up with like a, you know, an iPod or something. I know they paid like 10 times as much as us. I mean, that's the thing. Those guys make a lot of money. It's a much, it's a much oh, yeah. less expensive way to, to participate in the music business. You know? Yeah. It started feeling a little bit funny after a while. It really it felt like we were like dinosaurs. I mean, I think that, I think we're going to come back around to some extent. Um, I have a lot of feelings about a post-COVID world when it comes to clothes and music in general. I think people are going to be feeling nostalgic, and I think guitars and drums do that more than a computer can. I mean, I like seeing a live band. I, you know, all those I couldn't name very many of those people that we were playing with, and they sort of all kind of ran together. Yeah, it's called ED. It's called EDM. It's a pretty big thing. <laughs> do you EDM, think? Uh, right. Do you think there's a that's a little bit of a reason why you did a solo record to experience what it's like to be an EDM artist, collecting <laughs> collecting all. Of, you don't have to split the money five ways, baby. Right. No, I still maximize my bullshit because I still bring a full band. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, are you the are you the asshole that shows up at the string section? The whole thing. Uh, not that, but actually, every once in a while, I'll hire them out off Craigslist. But no, I, uh, you know, I still got my all my dudes. I fly them in from Texas. We got them. Hold on, you, you, hold on. When you get a string section, you find them on fucking Craigslist. When we we started that in about 2007, and uh, it started with horns, and we would show up in like Gainesville, Florida, to play at the university, and we would you know, not want to fly our horn players from New York. So we started placing ads in local Craigslist listings <laughs> and people would, sh- I remember, actually, I think the first time I ever was in Miami, I remember these dudes came in Miami. And so we started doing, and, and the thing that was funny about it was that the, the rule that we learned after doing it for, you know, maybe a year was that when the string players came a hundred percent of the time, they were absolute aces and they like got the job done and they just could read the music and they do it. And it was bam. It was great. When the Hold on, were, they, were, they playing, were, were they playing a full set or were they playing a couple songs? They were playing like the parts on, you know, six or seven songs. Okay. okay. Yeah. When the horn players would come half the time, they could really put three quarters of the time they could play. Sometimes they couldn't even play, but like 90% of the time there'd be something like really like like the guys would get completely trashed and they would just like cause like a big scene or like or like they would disappear and you'd never see them again they wouldn't they'd show up for sound check and they check and then you go on stage and they're gone so horn or players like, the worst of all like we were, i remember having we got some picked up some dudes in berlin and we were driving from calais into the uk and like we get to the border and and one of the trumpet players pulls out a cuban passport and the UK border card was like, what the fuck is this? And he was like, how'd you even get into France? And he's like, I don't know. And they're like, no. And they just like turned all the horn players back. Or like going into Canada one time 
in Vancouver, crossing in Vancouver, and and uh, and the the guy, you know, they put you give them all the passwords, and you all sit down, and then we all they call you over one by one. They called over one of our horn players and said, "Have you ever been convicted of a felony?" And he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, okay, I have. You know, yeah, I'm a horn exactly. player. Of course, I'm I'm a felon. I didn't know. I didn't know they had that reputation, but I do think the Craigslist thing is a very economical way to. Because I feel like you see that most on, like, you know, when you play late night shows or Saturday Night Live. There's always like a big string section, the horn section, but it's special. It's more special if you, you know, do it at a regular show. Yeah, and getting some locals is always. Well, it's not always fun, but it's sort of fun. It was like a little wild card after a while too. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's something to do besides yeah. just driving and looking at the fucking road and waiting and drinking beers. I mean, touring is truly the least glamorous thing in the world, too. I don't know. Did you guys do, at at the height of the Walkman, did you do crazy shit like Open for the Rolling Stones? Um, (laughs) No. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, I I literally saw the Rolling Stones recently, and, like, the kooks opened. I did, too. And I I was like, what the stadium? Yeah, same. Me, too. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, how is this band? Like, whose son told the Rolling Stones this band was cool? It was (laughs) mind-blowing. But um, to be fair, opening for the Rolling Stones, like no one cares about you at all. So it's it's almost no. in it's it's in vain, really. It was uh, I kind of enjoyed the show actually, to be honest. I thought they I were there. It was much better than the last time I'd seen them, which was Steel Wheels. I paid a lot of money for that ticket because I thought it was I thought it was my last chance, which it might be. It might have been um, your last last chance to ever see anything. But my friend, <laughs> yeah, my the guy the guy that got me the tickets, he didn't tell me this, but he was like, oh yeah, tickets like six hundred dollars or whatever i was like all right fuck it and then i meet him and he and he gives me the full like we have the full passes because he'd gotten the tickets through like ronnie wood's son or something so it was a much better experience than i thought i was gonna have it was um, awesome it was fun it was good but they were good they, they looked old as hell it was shocking yeah but they're up there doing it you gotta hand it to them they're oh they're, yeah yeah 100 yeah, i mean they are old but they're look at mick man he's jumping all over the place he's like skinny as a bean and he's like you know putting on a big show I love I that he wears great. he wears like the full Mick Jagger like stage clothes, but he's got like Nike running shoes on because his feet are so oh, totally up. yeah all know. black. Yeah. He can't he, he's not rocking the the Beetle boots anymore or whatever you know. No, that show was good, but yeah. So you guys you you never got the Stones opening gig. No, I never got the nod from the Stones. Unfortunately, I just feel like there's an air. I feel like when everybody, I feel like every band kind of has that chance if they're if they're on the right. With some, not the stone specifically, but something like that. You know what I mean? We did plenty of like stadium opening shows, but never the Rolling Stones in America or in Europe. Everywhere. I love that. I love a stadium. I think it's a, spe- I think it's a special experience. Yeah, but it doesn't matter who you're opening for. If you're playing a stadium show, it doesn't matter who you are or who you're opening for. Nobody cares about the opening band. I mean, you can go see, I, I mean, anyone. Anyone, anywhere. That's how it is 100% of the time. I agree. Well, I think the opening band in general is, is kind of a tough thing now. I think people are so discovering music in such different ways now that that's not how it works anymore. Right. You know, they're not showing up early to check out something new so they can go buy the record. They'd be like, maybe post-COVID all- that'll change, though. Maybe everybody's hungry for it. I mean, I'm telling you, it's possible. It's a post-COVID. I mean, if you're, if you're going to pivot to being a first-grade teacher and give all this shit up. So yeah. you, need to fig- you need to figure it out now, Yes. That was a quick pivot that I did not ask for. Five hours a day, five days a week. First five grade. hours a day? 
I mean, with my little one, she, yeah, on and off. But the moment you try to go do something else, she can't really kind of follow along. So she'll just kind of sneak off and start doing something else. And then you got to get her wrangler back up. Are you on, is it on Zoom? Like, it's on, they got the system. They do a great job for what they do, but it's, you know, on, I, I, yeah, some of it's on Zoom and some of it, I don't know. We always have trouble connecting. Are they engaged enough? Like, are they, are they paying attention? The older one, yeah, but she's just sort of like that. The third grader is like that. But the first grader is a little loose with the, uh, with the rules and the timing. That's, that's a, I mean, that's a lot of time. I didn't realize it was five hours, but I guess that makes sense. That's still less than a regular school day. Yeah, it's much less. Anyhow, yeah, that's the other problem is that all of a sudden then at like, you know, one, one PM every day, you suddenly got both kids home all day. That's tough. Let me tell you. What do you do? Well, so what uh, do you just have time blocked off or you got to go do promo shit in the barn? I mean, a little bit of both. Yeah. Like I try to balance. My wife still has her job. Thank God. So, uh, she works and we kind of like, you know, there's no like babysitting or anything. So we're just, yeah, you got, we got two kids all the your time. Pa- your parents are around though, aren't they? Tight. Yeah. You'd think they might step in <laughs> more. I think. <laughs> They've been, they're like, we passed that test and we don't need to do that anymore right now. I appreciate, I, I appreciate that approach. I appreciate that approach. We're good here. Hamilton, uh, you, are you the kind of guy who needs a little alone time for himself? I mean, I love to have a little me time and I try to have it every week. We try to do like a day or something, but it's basically impossible with little kids. Mm-hmm. What they're, what are you? They're, home, they're gonna they're gonna come bother you. Can you at least go on a little country walk through the Virginia Hills? I bought a bicycle. You know, there's. Did you guys know that there's a national bicycle shortage and there is a national dumbbell shortage, both of which yes. I purchased and had to wait weeks for. We're on the front lines of the kettlebell. Mm-hmm. I, I it's a whole thing. I I've got one in Canada that I'm borrowing, but I bought one on the black market. I'm gonna pick up in New York. There, there's oh, also right? they're like they're like two hundred bucks for like a twenty five pound weight. I paid I paid one forty for the thirty five pound kettlebell. You know, I just waited it out on Amazon.com and I got them at market price. Hmm. Damn, I didn't know. What, what do you? What kind of lifting are we doing? Just curls and stuff, because uh, you know I can't go to the gym anymore. Just hitting those oh, vanity muscles. Oh yeah, I do a little workout. I do what I can with my with my busted neck and my busted knee. Oh, your knee's <laughs> fucked up too. You are falling apart, man. Basketball hey, injury. I've had, I've had two surgeries on it. Did you play like seriously? No, but it sounds really good if I tell people I can't really jump in this game because like my knee, I got an old basketball injury and I'm really tall. It looks like people think that you know I must have had some like glory days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Yeah, Jason, assumed. you should try that. You. Nobody believes that Jason would have played basketball. I don't know why it doesn't work with that height, but no one believes it. <laughs> no one ever asked me. Really? I mean, I, I don't – I think that – is it an ACL injury? No. it's Well, it's MCL, and uh, it was – it was sprained ACL. It was a lot of stuff. And now it basically is just cartilage because this was 10 years ago also. So the sa- I had my second surgery actually in uh, at the beginning of March, so I'm really glad I got that over with. What uh? Really? What this about co- your um? <laughs> There's a lot about, of surgery discussion today. What about your yeah. your uh your vices and consumptions going on right now? What do you what do you take? I down? was just going back for more oxy, man. I was making up my knee injury. I <laughs> we've been we've been there. Don't worry, we've been there. Yeah, are you? Um, are you? I will say that uh, you do uh, in this time. I have found myself like, why not 
you know, I don't have to go, you know, I don't have to go anywhere tomorrow. Let's have another drink. Let's, let's sit around and have another cocktail. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I bought my bike and my weights to kind of break myself out of that habit a couple weeks ago. And it has helped a lot. Okay. What's what's the quarantine cocktail for you? Uh, whatever was available was fine for me for a while. <laughs> you name it. Okay. Uh-huh. You smoking weed over there in Virginia? I mean, was that you smoking some weed over there in Virginia? There is legal, fully legal in D.C. now. It's so weird. There's a shop where I grew up in uh, Northwest D.C. and. Uh, on Macomb Street, which is like right up from my house, there's a full-on weed shop like you're in Amsterdam. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I, actually can't, I can't believe I, I'm seeing this day. It's, it's I didn't like, know that about D.C. actually. I didn't realize Yeah, that. I bought my mother-in-law. Uh, I don't know if we can say it. I, I went in there and bought some Christmas presents there. That's nice. I love, I love to hear you supporting the local economy. You know, yeah. That's important. That's important. I, did you, are you a Discord guy? Like, did you, is that what you grew up with? Uh, I mean, I grew up going to the show because they were five dollars and they uh, were all ages. So that did you was see, great. Did, did you see Minor Threat or just Fugazi? I was a little too young for Minor Threat, but I saw Fugazi many times. And uh, I uh, I was working at Inner Ear Studios when they were uh, recording Red Medicine, so I got to meet them there when they were doing that. Sort of later Fugazi days. Yeah, but Red Medicine is a classic though. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's in the pocket. It's <laughs> definitely in the pocket. That's definitely in the pocket. I don't. DC seems like a pretty funny place to grow up. DC was a. I mean, as a kid, it was great. It, looking back, it is kind of a weird spot. But I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know anything else. So, are, are your parents into? Are, did your parents work in politics or no? Not politics, but my dad does work for the government because he works for the National Gallery of Art. Is he a curator? He is, they don't have curators. He's the head of the design department. So he, so it's, they just have a slightly different system than like the Met. And are they fucked right now or are they figuring it out? They are fucked. That's that, mm. those, those institutions, like the money they're losing. Like I saw some crazy facts about yeah. the Noma that was like mind blowing. Well, they're gonna, they're, they're, the, the terrible thing is they're gonna, they're gonna, when they start reopening, they're gonna, they're not going to be able to let as many people into the building. And so for those reasons, they're starting to push back all of the completely finished exhibitions and like and planning an exhibition takes like yeah, years. years. And so like you push, they had 13 coming and they're pushing eight of them back or something. So you're talking like decade, like it's going to push them back. If these things ever happen, they'd have been completely done. So that's, that's tough. I mean, cause in reality they're, they're surviving strictly on endowment, like, like donations, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they get some government money, but I would imagine it's the endowment. That's yeah. I, I don't really know how that works. Is it free to the public though? Yeah, that's the great thing about DC is all the museums are free. I mean, I, you know, it's so great for kids. You take them to the Air and Space Museum, and it, it's really great. That is, I didn't, I didn't realize that actually. I didn't know they were all free. Yeah, and I mean, you go to New York, and it's like I don't even know what it costs to get in the moment now, but it's a lot. Yeah, it's like I think it's like thirty bucks. I, I snuck in to the Jed thing right before the COVID hit. I'm glad I got to see it. I wish I'd seen that. It's great. I mean, it's not as big as I thought it was going to be, but it's it's very good. And it wasn't uh-huh. that busy because people were freaked out. So I think I, I think I made the right. right choice. You know, I think uh-huh. I made the right choice. Well, Hamilton, thank you for joining us, sir. All right, guys, it was a pleasure talking to you. 
Hey, it was a pleasure. And um, do you have anything coming up you want to talk about? Anything? Are you are you doing any live stream performances or anything of that nature? Uh, I'm gonna do this. When does this air? Tomorrow. Oh no, I'll just wait because I I gotta announce. I, I gotta wait to announce the stuff I'm doing. Okay, fair enough. Well, they know where to find you. Uh, thank you, and, and be safe out there. Enjoy the woods. All right, guys, you too. I have this audio file here too. You want me to? I can email it. Yeah, yeah, I'll text you. All right, boys. Thanks, Harrison. Take it easy. Bye-bye.